Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here Matthew with Statler. And we are excited to come off of our hiatus and uh, tackle some big things. we got some good direction. And, uh, man, we're just really excited about the podcast as a whole and, man, what the Lord's doing in our lives and in the church um, at large. And so, um, Matt, how was your Easter Sunday, Mr. Pastor Man? Easter was really good, man. We um, we did things a little different, and it was like a double sermon split with communion in the middle. And so we did the we went up to the death, had communion, and then talked about the resurrection. And so it was a little bit different, but man, it was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of people came, uh, packed the house and we just worshiped Jesus together. We sang loud hymns at the very end and, and just celebrated. Yeah, we had a pretty, uh, interesting Easter. (laughs) So, you know, we're a church plant, right? And, um, we had, we were going to do one service. So, cause we, we have multiple services to kind of keep numbers down or whatever. Um, for COVID reasons, but anyway, we wanted to do one service. And so we had everything set up outside. We had like 200 chairs set up outside, right? Well, about 30 minutes before the service starts, it went from 0% chance of rain to 80% (laughs) chance of rain and started drizzling on us. Oh man. We had to, in 30 minutes, we set up, uh, 200 chairs, all the sound equipment in the gym. And, uh, man, we made it happen. And, man, the Lord was glorified. It was really, it, man, it was so awesome just seeing the whole the whole body together. You know, we haven't seen that since the pandemic. Yeah, um, that's so important. So that was really awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I, Man, I could talk about church all day. I love the church. And uh, we're actually going to finish up today our series on the church. You know, we took a, a few weeks off or two, I think two, two weeks. weeks off um, because I went on like a, I guess, mini sabbatical, if you will, not a legitimate sabbatical. I took a week off with like, but I, I went like dark, you know, no work, no work calls, no work emails, you know, all that. Uh, we did a church planters conference, my wife and I and uh, uh, Stephen, the other pastor of our church and his wife. And man, that was so sweet and so needed. I don't think we've taken any time off since we planted the church a couple of years ago now. So, man, we're, uh, I feel renewed, rejuvenated, and ready to rock. Needed that time um, for some rest for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, what there's some changes in the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Matt, you want to, you want to brief that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Robert has had to step away. He had some things he wanted to take care of, and uh, he wanted to go a different direction on a few things uh, personally. And so we, uh, man, we just really appreciate him, his input, uh, just the work he put into the episodes that he was with us on. And um, so we really appreciate having him. And I think our our show will be uh, lesser for missing, uh, for not having him. But we also understand he had to get some stuff on his own taken care of. And so, man, we're going to keep trucking um, and talking about the church, but we definitely appreciate Robert's input and uh, his efforts as well. So, 
Yeah, if we had a like a with DJ thing, you're like, yeah, you know, the clap hands. That's right. That's yeah, right. Man, we totally appreciate. We do. We totally appreciate you, Robert. Uh, thank you for all the value you have added to this podcast and to each of us. So, what are we talking about today? We're talking about a healthy church, mm. but actually, in particular, um, what happens? How do you find a church? Where do you look for for a church? And also, you know, what happens if uh, you really just don't feel like finding a church because of something that has happened in the past or some pain or um, some hesitations or, you know, for veterans, I, I was thinking we have a, 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 a an aversion to cloud uh, crowds. We don't like crowds and yeah. crowds can be uh, troublesome for us and finding a church that maybe isn't too crowded means we sometimes go to a church that may be uh, not as healthy. And uh, so mm. so what do we do about that? How do we find a church? How do you know? And, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we want to really quickly sum up what are the nine marks that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and, and listen to it. All these podcasts take us about 30 minutes. We're just trying to do 30 minutes and give you a quick um, rundown, so we're not comprehensive in every possible way, but let's hit the nine marks. But we try to be comprehensible. Yeah, comprehensible. Yeah, so the nine marks yeah. are simply preaching, um, in particular expos- expositional preaching, um, biblical theology, the gospel, uh, biblical gospel, the uh, a biblical understanding of conversion, biblical understanding of evangelism, and also doing evangelism. Biblical membership or meaningful membership, depending on how you want to say that. Biblical dis, uh, discipline or church discipline. Biblical discipleship. And then, of course, biblical leadership. And, and uh, the elder model is what Neil and I prefer. And we think it's the most biblical model. And so that is the nine marks. Yeah. And many churches that you look for may not have all those on lock or even... Um, be doing them well. Some may be striving for it and some, some may not. So what do we do, Neil? Yeah. So, I mean, so, (laughs) so you listen to that podcast, right? The one we did last, or you just heard the recap that Matt gave and you're like, all right, these are the nine marks. This is what I'm looking for. I have a better understanding of what to look for now. So I get on Google, I put churches near zip code, right? I press search and what happens is, especially if you live like maybe in the South, (laughs) you get flooded with, you know, a gazillion, it's a scientific number, I'm I'm sure of it, Uh, a gazillion of different churches and, and very quickly become overwhelmed. And as you, you know, begin to click on different websites or maybe the church doesn't have a website and, you know, do I call them like... There, there's lots of things to navigate now. And um, for the person who's not used to looking for churches, um, which hopefully all of us are not used to looking for churches because we're in a good one and we're committed to it. But um, especially if you're not used to it, it can become a daunting task. That's right. And it be, can, can become uh, very easy to get discouraged and say, well, I'll just watch church online at that one that I like and that celebrity pastor that I follow. And, um, 
that would be the wrong decision to make. In the military, we used to do this thing like foot stomper, you know, and the guy teaching the course would like stomp his foot. And like, you need to know this, right? Man, you need to know this. Re- deferring to online church is the wrong decision. That's right. And so, man, we want to find the church and we need to get our bodies and get a part of that assembly. Okay. So what are some, some, some techniques and tools that you can uh, utilize? Matt, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, just real quick. I wanted to, to touch on what you mean by the online church being a wrong decision. And I see some dangers. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I see some dangers because I, I have people that I love and care about in my community that will say, I just can't find a church home here, so I'm just going to watch my uh, live stream from my church back home. And the problem with that is, if you only do that, you will never find a church home here. You will never have to sacrifice, and you will never have to actually be a member or a, or a, peop, uh, a community. And we see that because you're going to have rose-colored glasses about the church back home because you're not seeing the messiness. All you're seeing is a live stream that's been produ- uh, produced and, and cared, you know, manicured. You're not hearing the babies in the background or you're not hearing um, you're not having little kids wander by you during uh, worship. Right. You can have it kind of uh, sanitized. And so you have to get into a local church and you need to find one uh, near you. And the online experience will not give you the fellowship that you need. And you will be missing something, even if the the preacher is the best preacher that you've ever heard or has ever existed. Even hearing Charles Spurgeon from a distance will not do justice to maybe going to a church that has a, a lesser person preaching. And um, and and being yeah, you need part of that you need fellowship. the small group leader. You need the small. You need group the small leader. group leader. <laughs> That's you right. The uh, you need to hear the songs of praises to the king of the universe sung in your ear by others and here you know here's another Um, here's another thing about that when i preach i am praying for the different people in my congregation um before i preach after i preach um during the week i pray for everybody who's a frequent attender or a member of my church and if you don't show up you're going to be, it's going to be harder for me to preach for you or or to pray about you because I don't know your concerns or your problems. And I I will call, like I call people who can't come, you know, my, uh, my shut-ins and stuff like that. And I talk to them and get to know what's going on in their life. But if I don't see your face, it's going to be a lot harder for me to pray for you and to um, care for you. Like I'm supposed to as a shepherd and I can try to hunt you down all day long, but ultimately um, membership is your responsibility as well. It's a, it's a twofold kind of like a handshake. So yeah, how do we, yeah. how do we go about finding, we have all these, um, resources, but it maybe it's too overwhelming, right? If I Google every church in the world pops up and I try to listen to maybe a sermon from each of them, I try to find them. I start crossing off my list. Like, I don't want to go to that church. That church is, um, not a Christian church. I don't want to follow them. And you just start going through or there are church groups. There are tools, online tools that you can use to find uh, like minded churches. And so there's a few out there that uh, Neil and I have used with some great success. One of them, obviously, is the Nine Marks website. Um, Now, here's the thing. 
just because they're on that website does not mean that they are necessarily a healthy church or even holding to these. But it's a starting point because either at some point they have been holding to it or at some point someone in the congregation wanted to lead them towards that, um, probably the pastor. And so... Mm-hmm. Look at look at the Nine Marks website. There's a place in there you can type in your zip code, and all the Nine Marks churches will pop up in your area, and then you can go to their website and examine it. Another one that's <laughs> near and dear to Neil and, and my heart is the Acts 29. Um, these are typically more church plants, and th- these guys need committed individuals coming to their church, willing to serve, and being humble and ready to serve however possible. And so Acts 29 is such a great resource to find um, churches as well. Neil, can you think of any more? Yeah, so just a side note, if you're like, well, going to a church plant, what's that? Um, hey, man, there's some there's some big benefits to going to a church plant or a small church, a church that's re- in maybe in revitalization mode as well, um, like Matt's church, for instance. It's that when you're small, the pastor is concerned about a couple things other than preaching. So we're going to put that to the side. Number one, it's about discipleship. He is concerned with discipleship. It is all encompassing to his mind. <laughs> How can I help these people grow? How can I invest in these people? How can I facilitate investment across the body, right? Um, spiritual investment, friendships, and in knowledge and wisdom of the word of God, right? And so um, the pastor's concerned about that. The other, the other massive benefit is because it's small, man, it's harder to be a ghost. What you'll find is you walk into a real big church, which I'm not knocking big churches, but what can happen is you can go into a bigger church and literally disappear, not be known. The point of being in the assembly of believers is to be known and to know others. And so it's a little easier for that to be accomplished uh, in a smaller context, you know, Uh, especially for the veteran community. I like to I don't like to send them if I can help it to like a mega church or whatever. I mean, they can have the best preacher on the block, you know, but man, I to be honest, Mm -hmm. I want I want to send folks to who has the best pastor on the block. Preaching is a, an aspect that a pastor does, but, um, does this guy shepherd in the other ways as well? And so that's really important. So, okay. So that's Acts 29. They're kind of, they're committed to a few things. They're committed to reform soteriology, which is a fancy word for, um, God, um, alone is responsible for salvation at every facet of, the encounter uh, between faith and regeneration and uh, repentance and all of those things are caused by God. It's not um, simply something that we do as we hear. It is those things too, but he's what puts the root in, in the, in the heart that has to change first. That's what we believe and affirm as well. Um, also, um, they are committed to the inerrancy of Scripture, man. That the that God did not give us His Word full of error. It is more. It is. Uh, it is infallible and inerrant in more than just the gospel. It is perfect um, for all yeah. of life and all of godliness. It is perfect. It is. I mean, if you read the Psalm, Psalm one nineteen, 
for instance, and just listen to how um, the David is meditating on what the word is, right? And what the law of the Lord is. And then when we get to, you know, 2 Timothy 3.16, we see that it's all, all of scripture has been inspired by God and it's profitable for a lot of things, which we talked about in the past as well. Another really good organization to kind of, especially if you're in military communities, and we understand a lot of our listeners are in that, is the, the Military Missions Network. It is a kind of a subgroup made up of parachurch ministries and the North American Mission Board um, that have been committed to planting churches at military installations. And so it, it it's a good place to kind of start. Like, where can I look? Well, I know that Southern Baptists specifically believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, basic Christian orthodoxy, and the and the gospel clearly the gospel right so those are kind of some and and, you know the master seminary also has a good tracking metric for all of their seminary graduates and uh has their churches online as well the gospel coalition does that uh also tgc.org i believe and uh those are some good kind of baseline ones to look at Matt, am I missing any that you can think of? No, I think you're um, you're on. The only problem I see is you and I both have run into situations where those things we don't we still can't find a don't church work. within a hundred miles, right? Right, and, totally. And uh, so within a hundred miles, there's still <sighs> none of the churches listed from any of those websites, and so we've had and we would say we would say we want to be twenty five miles or correct. under. Yeah, 25 miles or under. Um, Sometimes we will sacrifice a little bit to go to a a good church if we can. Um, Sometimes the church right next door is not the best church for you. As much as it hurts me to say that, I wish that every church next to you was a good church, but we know that this isn't the case. So, yeah, what happens when you can't do it? Well, you know, you do your Google search thing. And then you start seeing where do they align? Is there a particular denomination that they're a part of? Um, is there some denomination um, that they um, they seem to coincide with? Like some will say, we affirm the Baptist faith faith and message two thousand, and that's just a good indicator that at least they have some kind of standard. So then you go on their website and you look at their statement of faith. What does it say that they believe? Now, this may not mean what they actually believe, but at least they have said, this is what we believe. Um, and then I would say, look and see what events are going on. And uh, and Neil, what else? Yeah, with, with looking at a statement of faith, I always encourage people to look at a couple things because it's going to be vast and you're not going to know all this doctrine jargon possibly, and you could just get lost in it, right? So this is kind of what I look for. Number one is what do they believe about scripture? So does does it contain keywords like inerrancy? Um, does it say without any mixture of error? Um, phrases like that. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, if it just says infallible, it's not enough. Um, the infallibility argument is limited to just uh, matters of salvation. So not the whole... Uh, counsel of the word. Um, 
So we want to look for things that say without any mixture of error or the word inerrancy specifically um, past that now. Okay. So that's usually up at the top um, of a, of a statement of faith, kind of what we believe about scripture and what do we believe about God, right? When we look at um, the matters of the gospel, I always ask the question, does this statement of faith add anything to the gospel that says that is necessary for salvation? For example, you must be um, um, baptized multiple times. And one of those times you're gifted the Holy Spirit by people, you know, through God acting as the hands of God. Well, I would say, no, that adds to it, right? Do they say that you must be baptized in order to be saved? Well, no, that adds to it, right? Um, things like that, right? Uh, or does it take away anything from the gospel? Does it make that grace cheap, right? All you have to do is check a box and you're ro- ready to rock. You know, like it won't say it like that, but you'll you'll see. So do, does the when it communicates the gospel, does it say that man is dead in sin? Um, that sin has is like in our family tree of human nature, right? And is it passed on uh, into each generation? Yes, it, it should say that, right? Um, because we have to understand our spiritual brokenness before we can understand what we're being saved from, right? Does it say that God is only love? Well, that would be an issue, right? Because he's also holy and just. Um, so we're looking at matters of the gospel. We want to make sure the gospel's clear. And we want to make sure that, hey, when they open God's word, they believe it's the word of the Lord, right? And then uh, uh, lastly is... Uh, are they committed to discipleship? Like those are my lowest hanging fruits uh, that I'm looking for. What do you believe about God's word? What do you believe about the gospel and Jesus? And what do you um, believe about discipleship? Like how do you accomplish that? And um, then we then we can go outside of that, right? Like um, one good test, because um, you might not be in the mood to listen to a bunch of sermons is... As you look at the sermon index of all the things this guy has preached through, is he preaching through books of the Bible? Like that, that's a good, simple kind of <laughs> test to take, you know, or is he like, hey, uh, 10 ways to make more money in your pocket or 10 ways to have a better marriage or 10, you know, however topical sermons you see out there. Like we know, I want to know what God's word says, right? right. I don't want to know what you think about this or that. Um, so does he preach your books of the Bible? So that's important. Um, you can probably pick up that. I said, he, so when we look at our pastoral staff page, we should see pastors who are men. That's what the Bible calls a specifically a qualification for an elder is to be a man. And so deacon, um, there's some disagreement on that and that's fine, but it's not black and white for deacon. It is black and white for elder. And if you see a pastoral staff, that is, you know, this lady is the pastor, even if it says the pastor of women, like negative, (laughs) like, uh, there's that should that should cause a red flag because pastor is not some frivolous word we just throw out right um can you want to touch any more on that 
Matt. Yeah, and Neil, the reason why we say this is not because we don't like women. It's not because we want to be patriarchal or, or something strange, like you know all the names that people will throw out at you. The reason is sure. we believe that the Word of God is very clear, and that is our standard. If we start to right. compromise our standard and start saying, well, you know, culture has changed, or we start making adjustments or compromises on the word of God, what we are going to do is eventually we're just going to keep going down that path for every cultural difficulty that arises. And so it's really a, um, a plumb line for us to see, do they hold to the word of God as it is expressly presented or do they not? Um, And that comes back to the sermon piece. Why do we believe that, Exposit, you know, expository sermons, expositional sermons, sermons through books of the Bible, or at least large chunks of the Bible are the right way. Well, it's because what do we believe about the Bible? And what we believe about the Bible, it is, is that it is God's word, God's perfect word to us. And the pastor's job is to herald that. The, the pastor's job is to present what God said not make up our own cute topics and then try to find a Bible verse to, to fit that. So these are just ways that we can see, do they trust the word of God? And that's how God grows his people is through the word. And so these, the reason why we say stuff like this is because we are holding to a biblical foundation and we, we we're just striving to be true to the word of God. But so Neil, and we know, yeah, we, one more thing to add, Matt, we know that God is, for our good that's right he's not trying to take anything from you so like um i mean matt and i went to um undergrad together that's where we met and we went to a school that was um a little more moderate in their belief system if you were to take like a baptist gate and say who's more conservative who's more liberal right they're in the more moderate realm um and but one of the things that was common that I remember hearing was like, well, why can't women do it? Well, it's not that <laughs> it's not that you're not uh, maybe capable. Right. But it's not what God's standard is. And when we think that God's trying to take something from us instead of trying to put us in the best position to flourish based on walking in his design for the church or for our marriages or for relationships or for, you know, the workplace, so on and so forth. Um, man, we're, we're going to begin to see God as a cursor and not as a blesser. And when we when we walk in obit, o- obedience to him and happy are we. and so. You know, it's important that we understand that, man, God is for our good, our eternal good, and for his glory. And so we cannot compromise on God's word because then we will be about our own glory instead of God's. And, man, that is a road that will take you to um, to hell. That's right. You know? And so, man, we have to understand that uh, clearly. So um, let's kind of put that aside for now. So those are some techniques and some tools for um, looking for a good church. Um, I think we might have spent seven minutes or so on it, maybe longer. I don't yeah. know. 
but let's kind of go for 10 minutes and we're going to have to like stop Matt. (laughs) If we need to do another one, we can. Um, Let's talk for a second about church hurt because let's just be honest, right? It's not a, it's not a, if matter, it's a win (laughs) matter. You know, when I bought my motorcycle, people used to always say to me, um, it's not, uh, if you'll wreck or lay down your bike, it's when you'll lay down your bike, you know? Um, and, and, and that's the same. This is true in the context of a church. It's true in any context when we're trying to grow in deep relationships with other people. Um, eventually we're going to get hurt by them. So what do we do? And so we want to first and foremost recognize that, man, some of our listeners have been um, traumatized in the context of a church. They have been um, marginalized. They have been hurt deeply. Or maybe this next week that will happen. You know, we don't know. Um, and we want to say that number one, man, we, man, we can sympathize and empathize with that hurt. I've been hurt in the church. I know Matt has, um, or by leaders and man, that it's hard to get over cause you feel betrayed. You feel like trust has been broken and cannot be re-earned. And so we want to take a minute and just acknowledge that first and foremost, but also help us to get our eyes off of our pain alone and to begin to view our pain through the lens of scripture and through the lens of who God is. Cause that helps us navigate these emotional topics, right? Um, in a more God glorifying way. So Matt, what are some, what are some things we, we can remember and think about as we try to, move forward from church hurt and get our eyes upon Christ. Yeah. You know, this is such a a pain inducing topic and people can think back to times where they put their trust in an organization or they put their trust in, um, in a church and they were betrayed. Their trust was um, betrayed. Someone gossiped about them or they said something in confidence that was shared down the road or even just the, um, even maybe a lesser hurt, of trusting in the leadership and then the leadership having a split and the church going two different ways. Um, you know, we see all these different ways and, and we could say the, the same thing that, you know, Oh yeah, church is made up of people and it's made up of sinful people and sinful people hurt each other. And this is very true, but this is what I tell people who are married. Your wife is going to hurt you. Your husband is going to hurt you there. You're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen, but you don't just leave the whole family because of this situation. So there are lesser issues and there are greater issues, Um, lesser hurts and greater hurts. And they may feel the same, but they have different um, repercussions. If a pastor was to betray your confidence and treat you poorly, that's much different than, you know, Aunt Judy from from the, uh, the the ladies group doing it right the, the ladies group you know it's she's not a mature christian it can happen but if the pastor's doing it that's a warning sign and you need to be aware of that right um but yeah so so how do what do we do well first off we don't think of our church members as the enemy right we know oh, yeah. we know that satan is the one that is trying to destroy it we know that our own sin and their and their sin 
is trying to wreck any kind of relationship. We see that in the beginning with Adam and Eve. The first thing they do was they were separate, separate from God, separate from each other, and started blaming each other. And that's what Satan wants. That's what um, sin in our lives want. And so we have to think of the person with us is not the enemy. (coughs) The enemy is not the person in the pew. It's the same enemy that Jesus has, and he's a defeated foe. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, two verses to memorize and to hide into your heart. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. Therefore, put on the full armor of God there so that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the strategies of the evil one, of the devil. And then verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Anytime I have conflict with someone, I have to write down. This is just personally. I have to write down in my journal and look at it. So-and-so is not your enemy. Your enemy is far worse. It is Satan, right? And his minions. So it's a, to, to your point, Matt, man, it's not the person in the pew next to you who gossiped, who slandered, who all of those things, man, the enemy has schemed and strategized to break relationships, right? To hurt people in, in the church. But what we know is that man, number one, nothing can take down the church. That uh, unless it's Christ himself, it's his. He owns it. He upholds it. (laughs) It is for him. And um, and there is nothing that can come across that. Number two, you need to understand that this is a personal fight for our enemy. Um, If you think about it like this, um, I want to say it's in... Oh gosh, it just the text just left me. But Jesus is talking to religious leaders. It's in Matthew, but I'm sorry, I'll find the text later. But it's in Matthew, and Jesus is talking to these religious leaders, and he tells them, like, your father, the devil, yeah. um, you want to do his will and his desires. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like they're trying to not do that, right? Um, uh, but but Jesus is saying, no, your father, the devil. And so think about it like this. Apart from Christ, apart from a relationship with Christ, your father uh, was Satan. Now, we're all creations of God, but we're not all child, adopted children of God. And that's really important that we understand. And so when we're thinking about what the enemy's tactics are and what he will do to cause hurt and pain and strategies to break families up and churches up and all this stuff, uh, man, it's personal for him because, man, what God did was he adopted you, chose you, pulled you out of that, and now he is upset and it is personal for him. So your enemy is not the other person in the church, it is a far worse enemy. But if you begin to see the person next to you in the pew as your enemy, man, you're going to start fighting a fight uh, with someone out of your weight class. Yeah. With what the Bible calls you to do is fight him with the person next to you in the church. That's right. Not alone. Yeah, we're, we're called to draw near to each other. Um a principle that I like to use is he who knows goes, 
right? If you know yeah. you have something <laughs> against someone, you go and you talk to them about it. If you know that you hurt someone and they haven't come confronted you, you go and talk to them about it, right? So if you know you've done something or you know they've done something, your responsibility is to go and tell them. Just like it's the same thing for them. It's their responsibility to come to you. And that's how we draw near to one another. Um, this is how we mm -hmm. fight the battle against disunity. Um, and we can't be so focused on the hurt and the other person that we miss who the enemy is, Satan, and who King Jesus is. And so that's who right. we look to um, to solve these problems ultimately is to God and, uh, yeah. and, and the mediator Christ. And so that's mm. exactly what we need to focus on when we, um, when we start dealing with conflict. We, we, we want to examine our own heart, make sure that we're not guilty of some major thing. Um, we haven't contributed to the, the conflict in any way. And then we, um, we approach each other. And there's some great books on that. Um, Robert Jones is probably my favorite, Pursuing Peace, uh, Pursuing Peace by oh, yeah. Robert Jones. And um, just so pastoral, he deals with it. And what happens when people don't want to be reconciled with you? Uh, how do you deal with that? And so, guys, um, I think we're, we're kind of getting near the end, but go ahead, Neil. Yeah, just to kind of land our plane here, in the in the midst of church hurt um, that is keeping you maybe out of the body of Christ uh, and keeping you in isolation, and you know in your guts the right thing to do is to to join an assembly and to assemble with them, right? And man, you've listened to this podcast. You're like, yeah, that's right on. You know, I get it. Um, but man, when I get to that parking lot. <laughs> I want to flee and run. So that's a very real scenario for so many. But I want to just close us down with this, this call to remember that, man, remember who the king of the church is. Remember who your savior is, who Jesus is. And I want to read this as we end. And this is something uh, Desiring God put out. Um, an article, and we can we can put that up on the show notes. But it says, in very difficult church situations, staying in faith or going in humility and love may be both valid options. But when possible, seeking seeing a tough church situation through can be the strongest statement a believer can make, not about the church, but about Jesus. Our commitment to the bride is a statement about the worth of the bridegroom. Jesus died for his bride to make her spotless and splendid forever. That's the direction Christ is taking the church. We see that in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Jesus believed the beauty of the church was worth his own life. So he laid it down to purify her. And she reflects back to him, not her own intrinsic worth, but the worth of the one who created, called, and redeemed her. Jesus' bride sometimes reflects more of sin's stains than her Savior's splendor. We are in the process of being sanctified until Christ returns. But we know that one day we will all be glorified, perfected, as sin's presence is removed from us. 
then even the most cantankerous believer will be radiant in Christ's righteous robes, and we will worship together in harmony and in unity. But until then, God's people can continue to declare his worth by committing themselves to his warty, like warts, and at times vicious bride, yeah. trusting that he will make her lovely in time. The bridegroom listener will return and he will conquer the church's enemies, including sin, death, and Satan. So we pray, come quickly, Lord. So when you're stuck in the parking lot or at home and you're wrestling with the decision about whether or not to go to church, remember who your savior is and where he is taking us and join them and be a part and wrestle and struggle for he that began a good work in you. That's we'll right. see it to completion until he comes again. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. Neil and Matt, out. Thank you.